All right. So for the rest of you, my name is Keith, and I won't take too much of your time. Let me just introduce myself. Uh, this is uh, how my family looks like. I am married with a beautiful wife and with three kids. The eldest is Kira. And the middle one is Katie and the youngest one is KS. Okay, just when you look at the photo, he's, he's a boy, okay? So, so um, Kira is 12, Katie is eight and KS is five. I, I remember one time as I was sending Katie, the middle one to, to school, uh, to the kindergarten. You know how uh, bad parenting looks like when a father is uh, being, being in charge? Uh, my, my dear daughter, she she always she always has uh, this um ability to to get me guessing like what's going to happen in the morning when i wake her up so uh, typically there is this one morning that she she woke up and she refused to go to school and she's very headstrong and she's really a tough a tough nut so for, as, as a man, I just want to solve the problem uh and and I thought that okay the the magic is to offer her the gadgets. If, if I say, Katie, you can have the gadget and she will wake up, she will change, she will get ready and she can't wait to get on her iPad. And you know, every mother uh, will be the disciplinarian and say, no, don't do that. But that, that morning, I just thought I have an important meeting. I don't want to lose it. I don't want to go through the tug of war. I just said, Katie, you know what? Just get up the car. I'll give you the iPad. She changed, we got up. And just before my, I reversed my car, my dear wife came to us and say, there you give her the iPad. This is bad parenting. No iPad. Both of you listen to me. No iPad. Oh my gosh. Like, oh. So, so along the journey, uh, KD was very quiet. We both got the commandment from the, the, the queen, right? So, so we were all, we, we were both quiet. And then KD blurted out at, at four, four, four and a half years old. She said, you know what, Papa? I never like to listen to mommy. I always like to listen to Papa. Then I, I was thinking, wow, you're very smart. We're not talking about iPad. You're talking about who is in charge. Then I said, what? Um, I like to listen to the queen. But she said in all the cartoons she watched, the king is more powerful. I said, that is not true, you know? And, and we went on and talked. And then I asked her this question. I asked her like, oh, so Katie, you tell me, do you love, do you like, sorry, do you like iPad more or you like Papa more? And, and I don't know whether it was a trick question for her. It took her very long to answer. When she took time to ponder, I knew it. I lost it. You know, why do you want to even think about it? I, how do you compare an iPad and a father? Your father gives birth to you, for goodness sake, please. I, then I give her the hint, knowing that I'll be disappointed. I said, you choose one, you get the other one. But you choose the other one, you will not get the other one. So, so you better choose properly. And lo and behold, a five-year-old will not disappoint you. She said, I like iPad more. There you go. This is reality. You want to change the world for Jesus? You can't even change your own daughter. And I got upset and I said, you see, mom is right. We shouldn't have iPad. This is too much for you. I got upset and I went ranting and I said, how can you choose? How can you choose iPad, Katie? Think I am the one that buy iPad for you. I am the one that provided. You should choose me. Then you get the iPad. You said you like to listen to the king. So I went on and then she said this. I will never forget. She said it in her own words. She said, yes, Papa, I like iPad more, but I love you more. I was shocked at a five-year-old able to articulate the differences between like and love. It's very profound because I think like is when what something can do to you. You like something because of what something can do to you. Something can make you feel, something can serve you, something can make you happy. But when you love, it is always about how dear that person is to you. So she said she loves me because she, she already know I'm upset. She already know that I, 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 I'm sad. So out of her heart of wanting to give, she said she loves. I think when it comes to church, we should not come to church because we like zealous. We should not come to uh, 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 worship or just because it's online. It is not because I like it, but it has to be out of love. It, who, who, who cares if the technology is really fantastic or not? Who cares if you're really going to vote whether you like it or not tonight? It is about love. Love is about me being here for you even though it's late, even though I might not know you entirely yet, even though we are miles apart, it's because of my love for God. It is because of my love for Zealous that I am here to give. 
whenever you come to uh, uh, an online gathering or physical gathering, go with a mindset to give. I tell you, you will definitely leave that meeting a happier person. Trust me, the secret to happiness, it's always gratitude and generosity. That's, I give you, I'll give you this for, 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 for your entire life. If you think about it, how can I be happier? You think, hmm, I'm not living a happy life. Just do two things. Be grateful, be generous. I guarantee you this is the right recipe that God has given to us. He has already given his son, Jesus Christ, for us. We should be grateful. He has already given us uh, air to breathe. He has already given us community to be together. He has already given us our identity and salvation. We should be grateful. And out of that, we can be generous. Generosity is never about the amount of the money that you give. It is always about the attitude that you have in being present, in, in, being, in being there, in, in, in being generous with your time, generous with your words, generous with your resources. So a generous person, the Bible says, his world will get larger and larger. So where am I? Um, you know, Katie, at five-year-old, she taught me something. Love. Love comes with a heart of wanting to give. You know, that is why for God so loved the world, he gave. Amen. Today, I'm going to talk to you. Um, the only cricket that I know is the cricket I caught under the flower pot to feed my fish. So, Nina, that's the cricket that I know. It's, it's too long a game for me to watch for, for days. Uh, I watched 90 minutes. And that's all. I watched English Premier League since young. I'm a Liverpool supporter. I supported them 30 years to see them win the first Premier League. So talking about love is patience and love is kind. Uh, being as a Liverpool fan, they will tell you what is patience. Okay. But, um, and coming, coming back, coming back to, to, to this, um, five weeks of series, God-centeredness, okay? God-centeredness is very, very important. The reason that we exist as a church is to express a relationship with God. You know how we say it again and again, and probably you have heard it many times that Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a relationship. Christianity is not a religion. It's not a set of do's and don'ts. It is a relationship with our creator. It is a relationship with our savior. So if we look into the Bible, what God has called zealous to be in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, God says to all of you tonight, you are God's chosen people. You are, you know, it is so important to know you're chosen. You, do you remember the feeling? Like maybe Juhi has a lot of suitors going after her. Like there's so many guys going after her. And, and, and she said to Nina, I choose you. It, it feels like, wow, awesome. I choose you. It, you know, that's, that's exactly how God said, God chose you. God chose you to be a royal priesthood. God chose you in Pune to be a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Whenever I, 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 I go into the sub subject of light and darkness, I get excited because as an engineer, I know whenever I want to fix something on a machinery, whenever I want to fix something on my um, um, lab table, I need a lot of lights. You know, in darkness, you solve nothing. If you try to solve, if you try to fix a machine, if you try to fix something in darkness, it's often worse. If you want to fix a relationship in darkness, it gets worse. We need light. And God has called us to the wonderful light. That means, will we still have problem? Yes. But how do we solve it? Under great light. And when under great spotlight, you can see the problem clearly in your life. When you are going through struggle, don't withdraw, don't retreat to darkness because we can't solve problems properly in darkness. So God has chose all of us. God has chose you, all of you here in this place to be a reflection of his marvelous light. So it is so important for us to know God-centeredness, it is about God being at the center of our lives. And then as a community, God is the center of our church. 
I like to say this again and again, a healthy church is not a church with healthy programs. A healthy church is not a church with a lot of people. A healthy church is not just with impressive technology or even sermon. A healthy church is made up of healthy people. We are the church. When you are healthy, the church is healthy. It is the same with your family. When you are healthy, your family is healthy. It is not about putting out impressive programs. It is not really, it, it's not even about having the latest, you know, technology or screen or the best worship leader, the best band or, 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 or anything else. For the church of Jesus Christ, for the body to be healthy, all of you represented here, all of us here ought to be healthy. And how do we express our health in, in, in this world? It is that we are able to, to know who we are in Christ and to measure it by our connectedness with God. So it is very important that Christ must be at the core because when Christ is the core, we always go to the big guy. When Christ is the core, we always, you always go to the core. You always go to the core. When, when you are in trouble, when you have situations, you always go to the core problem or the core relationship in your life. What gives you real meaning is the core relationship. When you are really very, 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 very sick, you don't want the whole world to be visiting you. You just want the core people around you to be there for you. When you are going through a very down valley, you don't want the whole Facebook to flood into your account. You just want a few texts from a core per people. So Christ must be at the core. Christ must be at the core. So I want to say this, you know, the greatest gift that all of you can give to someone is your health. Okay. Understand this. If you are in a relationship, the greatest gift that you can give to your spouses it's your own health. Why do I say so? To your family, it's your health. To your church, it's your health. Have you seen a sick person before? A sick person cannot eat this, cannot eat that, cannot see this, cannot see that, cannot go here, cannot go there, cannot touch this, cannot touch that. There's so many restrictions to a sick person. Am I right or not? Yes? When you are sick, there's so many restrictions. And the problem is when we are sick emotionally or spiritually, there are so many things we get oversensitive about. We get discouraged easily. We get disappointed easily. We get sensitive easily. We get emotional easily. We get negative easily. When you are not well, whatever pressure that is coming out from the external will crush you and will cause you to want to give up. So if you really love somebody, you've got to be healthy. Why? Because a healthy person makes it easier to love them. When you are healthy, it's easier to love you. When you are healthy, it's easier to build relationship with you. If you ask me, when, when, when is the hardest of parenting? It is when my kids are not well. I love them, but it's very difficult. When they are sick, when they are having that fever, do you know over the, 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 the past 12 years of having uh, these three kids, Julie and I has, my, my wife's name is Julie. Julie and I have stayed in the hospital many times, probably more than 10 times. They have asthma attack. They have um, 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 viral fever. They have this and they have that. And even though we love them, it is so difficult because sometimes they got to be on drip. Sometimes I got to force them to eat medicine. Sometimes I got to, to force them to get injection. And it's hard to love someone when they are not well. We love them but it gets difficult. But if you want to care for the relationship like marriages in this pandemic, make sure you invest in your own health. A healthy person is the best gift to their community. Besides that, the greatest gift that we can have in this life is of course the gift of access. The gift of access. The greatest gift we can ever receive is the gift of access. When someone grants you permission to have access into their lives, that's a gift. Never ever take for granted when someone welcomes you to their house, when someone welcomes you into their lives, when someone gives you trust, when someone, when someone opens up access into their lives, 
never take it for granted. The closer they are, the more you need to honor them. You know, seasons change with the introduction of people into our lives. Season, seasons change when we allow voices into our lives. An introduction of a person often changes the season of our lives. The, 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 the introduction or the departure of a person changes the season of our lives. In 1999, you know, when I, when I was 19 years old, um, in the 2nd of January, while I was still pursuing my diploma in engineering, I received a call from my sister. And my sister asked me to immediately go back to my hometown because my dad has just passed away. That was 20 years ago, you know, and it shocked me. Immediately through that one phone call, my entire season changed. I was thinking like, I, I, I have yet to get my degree to make my dad proud. I have so many more words that I want to say to him. I have so much regrets going on, on my way back to uh, my hometown. You know, when a departure of a person, it changes the entire season of my life. At that very moment, I have to grow up, mature and take responsibility faster than ever before. It's like a fast track. Immediately, I have to knock on the banks and I have to start securing a study loan. I need to research and I need to make decisions for my life and, 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 and when my dad left me. You know, in 2008, um, 23rd of November, in that delivery ward, when I first received my baby girl, um, Kira, from the doctor, from the gynae, it changes my life entirely. I cannot describe to you that feeling, but I was touched by pure love. I was so thankful. I was in tears and I was thankful to God. Like, God, how can you trust me with a life like that? I know you can trust me with a car. I know you can trust me with a job. I know you can trust me with like a connect group, but how would you trust me with a baby? When I held Kira on my arms, I was touched by pure vulnerability. And you know what? It is not just her that touched my life. Suddenly, I felt how much God loves me. I don't know if you dad out there, when you hold a baby in your arms, it is not just how the baby is treating you. It is how you know that God loves you so, so much. Amen. So introduction of people into your life. I want to say when you are going through pain, often it is because you allow the wrong voices to get into your life. Pain comes when you give access to the wrong voices in your life. Courage, on the other hand, peace and joy begin when the right voices are given access into your life. Just look at the slides for a while. Pain begins when wrong voices are given the gift of access into your life. Courage, peace, and joy begins when the right voices are given access into your life. When I say the gift of access, I wanna say through Jesus, the greatest gift that he has given us is access to be a child of God. I want all of you to hear me and hear me clearly. The gift of access that I talk about here is what Jesus Christ has done, has redeemed us and reconciled us back to our heavenly father. Does it make sense to you? That is the greatest gift of access. And when God gives us this access, never take it lightly, never take it for granted. Never think that it is an entitlement. It, 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 we, we are never entitled for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. We need to appreciate what Jesus has done for us to give us access to our Father in heaven once again. When I say access, I'm linking to the next point. Access means relationship. Access is not just your access card to get into your house or your room. Access means relationship. Relationship often connects or hinders us to our destiny. You have great dreams, but when you have a wrong relationship, it will pull you away 
from your destiny. It will pull you away from your dream or it will connect you. You know, so often I, I, I struggle with going to the next level of my life sometimes. I struggle with wanting breakthrough in my life. Instead of when I pray and I, I, and I begin to have just the ability, I often find that God answers my prayer through giving me right people into my life. I don't know if that is the case for you, but if I want to get a job, it is not just by me applying. It is by someone that would tell me of opportunities and connected me to the right people. Even when God wants to solve sin issue, he sent Jesus Christ as a relationship, as a connecting factor into our lives. So when God answers prayer, God often answers through people. And you, when you pray, pray that you will be someone's answered prayer. Don't always pray for people to come into your life to help you solve problems. Pray prayers that say, God, use me as an answer to someone's life because that is how we should reflect Jesus Christ. Amen. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18 says, now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. How can we get to, how can we come to the Father through the same Spirit? It is through Christ. You see the Trinity being explained just in one beautiful verse. The Trinity being explained in just one beautiful verse. The connectedness, it is for us to go freely to our Father. Romans 8, 14 to 15. I know this is a familiar passage for some of you here. It says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive, you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship and we cry and by him we cry, Abba, Father. This is so beautiful. Never take it for granted. When you go to God, go to God as a child of God. Go to God knowing that your father loves you. You know, there is an occasion where the disciples saw that Jesus, he is so intimate with the father. The, the, the disciples struggle with knowing God, actually. A lot of times when God, um, when Jesus explained his death, when Jesus explained about the kingdom of God, they go around and, huh, what you talking about, Jesus? I don't understand. What, what, what about eating your flesh? What about drinking your blood? What, what, what about this? What about that? They are arguing upon themselves. They got it wrong all the time. Like, who's going to be the left? Who's going to be the right? Who's going to be the greatest? And, and they, if you read the gospel today, I know you, you read it in your lens, but sometimes you read it in a lens like, how wrong can it get? You just put this thought in your mind and you read, how wrong can it get? The disciples got it wrong all the time, all the time. Yet, those are the people that changed the world. You know, but what, what, what happened was that in Luke 11, then they finally couldn't take it anymore. They asked Jesus, Jesus, I give up. Teach me how to pray. Teach me how to pray. They, 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 they don't know the way anymore. They want, they want the recipe. And Jesus, so I say to you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks find, to him who knocks the door will be opened. So this is the introduction. And then he went into the Lord's prayer. Just go back to the previous verse, Justin. And I remember um, often, I, I, I want to talk about Katie once again. Uh, Katie is my second, second born. She's really cheeky and she's, she's, she's really full of ideas and headstrong, you know. And, and every time she wants something, she will choose the right moment. So there's one time, um, not, not one time, but many occasions, when she wants my gadget, when I go to the washroom, she will not. Then I said, yes, Katie, what do you want? Yes, Katie, what do you want? I said, I'm going to bathe. And she said, Papa, Papa. Yes, tell me, I can hear you, Papa. So 
I wrapped up my towel and I opened the door and I said, yes, what do you want? She said, can I have your iPad? I said, you could have asked outside, why do you want me to open the door and talk to you? She knows I will say no from inside. But when I open the door, when I see her, I'll say, yeah, she's very, very smart. But the thing is this, if I am not her father, will she go and knock at my neighbor's door? She won't. She won't. She will only knock at the right door. And what's the right door for us to knock tonight? What is the right door for you to knock tonight? You've got to knock at your father's door. You cannot knock at just the, the, the money door. You cannot just knock at, at, at just the power door. You cannot just knock here and there on all the wrong places because when you knock on the wrong door, you will not get the right answer. You, you get what I mean or not? So after Jesus said, you, you shall ask, you shall seek, you shall knock, and then he continued on in the same passage, okay? It, he hasn't left the topic yet. It is about prayer. Ask, seek, and knock. And this is how you do it. Our Father in heaven, like he, he, he teach them how to pray. You must know, Jesus said, which of you fathers, if your son asks for fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You see, after Jesus said about asking, seeking, knocking, he speaks and he relates to the disciples through Jesus by saying, ask from your Father in heaven. Do we regard him as our father or our vending machine? If God is at the center, if God-centeredness is truly what we value and we embrace and it is our core, we need to know then we need to go to him as a father. But relating to our father, um, it's a challenge in Asian context sometimes because sometimes we don't have the most warm welcoming and affirming father. That is an issue for me for many years, even when I was serving God. I served God like an achiever. I felt the more I grow my connect group, the more I preach, the more I get people safe, the more I will be loved. This is a typical Asian context of fatherhood. I, I, I think I can earn my love from being more, doing more, achieving more. But that is not the context of the Bible. That is not the context of our Heavenly Father. So if I bring you back to 23rd November, uh, 2008, while I was in the delivery room, when I was touched by the pure vulnerability of life, that God would trust me with a daughter. I, I, I out of my heart, right? Out of my heart, that, that very moment in the delivery ward while I was holding Kira, I have this voice inside of me to say, there is nothing I will not do for you. Right, fathers? You, uh, if, if you're a father, you kind of know what I'm talking about. It's like there is nothing a parent will not do for their child. It is like, all right. Um, though sometimes you are thinking about the sacrifices, but immediately you know, man, I know I'm going to give up so much just for this little life. But if I ask you again, has she done anything for me? No. Has she achieved anything for, for me in that delivery, delivery ward? No. She has done nothing. She has done nothing and she has brought nothing. I wish she was holding like a diamond when, when, when she got delivered, but she brought nothing, nothing, empty-handed, naked. But I loved her already. I loved her already. I think that's how God treats us. He loved you already. You've got to register. He loves you. He loves you already. It has been, his mind has been made up. His mind has been made up. You, you, you can't change his mind. He loves you. He loved you already. So it is out of that that we build relationship. I give you the concept of work and rest, just simple example. A lot of times you hear people say this, 
I need to get some rest. I've worked very hard. Have you heard that before? Oh, I need to sleep. I need to rest. I need to rest. I need to rest. I need to rest. This week has been very tired. Uh, it's so tiring. I need to rest. But do you know, before, before God commanded Adam to even be fruitful and multiply, to subdue the earth and have, have dominion, God created Adam at the sixth day, right? At the sixth day. So for, for, for the first five days, God established everything properly. And then on the sixth day, he created Adam. So Adam's full day on earth was the seventh day. Like his full start, his entire day to night was the seventh day. And the seventh day is known as the Lord's day, which is the rest day. The first day of Adam's life is actually a rest day. So what God is teaching us, a principle, is that you know when you know how to rest in Him, you know how to work. So God's concept is you work from your rest rather than you rest from your work. That means you serve knowing that you are already loved rather than serve so that you will be loved. It, 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 it seems simple, but I want to challenge your thinking. Because when you are down, if your foundation is not right, you will go spiral down. If Adam's first day, it's a world beautifully created and made ready. What makes you think that God wants you to work to earn his love? So, zealous, work from your rest rather than rest from your work. Work from your rest. Work knowing that God has already loved you. Work knowing that God takes care of you. Work knowing that God has already paid the full price for you. That's love. Work from a place of love. So because of his nature, God is always present, but he is never forceful. God is always present, but he is never forceful. So I want to give you an example. God is always present, but never forceful. Justin, you can keep this slide for a while. Let me just explain to you. You see, some people say, um, let's look at the life of Christ through the lens of the gospel, right? Um, if, if, you, if you study it intently, you will realize one thing. Jesus was never slow but he was never in a hurry. Jesus was never forceful. Jesus, he was never forceful, but he always accomplished. If, if you look at the life of Jesus, there's very good ebb and flow. It, it is like a very good rhythm that is going on in his life, right? That, that is a reason that we look at the Bible because if you, if you look at the Bible just to get um, uh, a glimpse of what God can do and how powerful is Jesus, you might be reading the Bible um, not in a right perspective. Why do I say that? You know, Jesus is God. He is not living a life to prove that he is God. He is God. So Jesus is trying to show you your possibility through his life. Jesus is trying to show. So, so he, he is part of the Trinity. He is, he, before he is born onto this world, he's already God. He's in control. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. He's all present. He is, he is, he is God, you know, he, he, he has no identity crisis. He has no insecurity issue. He is God. But why he lived on earth, why he went through the 33 and a half years, it's not to show that he is God. It is to show you that when you trust him, when you look at his life, what is your potential? What is your potential? So if you think that God came down on earth to show you that he is God, we might not get the full picture because God came down on earth to show you your possibility when you trust him on earth. 
His life is a pattern we can follow. Living as a full man. Are you all with me? So God-centeredness, it is for us to imitate Christ, to know the possibility of what we can achieve through Jesus Christ. So far, so good, everybody. I, I hope my, my accent, it's all right. Yes. Yeah, I hope everyone, thanks. Thanks for the thumbs up. Thanks. Thanks, Mamta. Thank you so much. Hi, Simi. Thanks. Uh, someone said something on the chat. Uh -huh. um, we love him because Hello. he first loved us. That is right. We loved him. You need to right Sorry, my Siri is talking to me. In case you hear it. Yeah. My Siri is responding to me because you are not responding to me. I'm just kidding. Yeah. So, so what, what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to tell you is this. If you study the life of Jesus, um, he's not fast. He's not slow, but he is not in a hurry. What I'm trying to say is this. When you are not fast and you are not slow and you are not in a hurry, that means, right, you are ready to build relationship. Okay, it, 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 it requires you to digest this. You cannot hasten a relationship, am I right? You cannot hasten a relationship. But you cannot be too slow in a relationship. It is like you don't care. If you're too fast, it felt like you have agenda. You are more important. If you're too slow, it felt like that person doesn't matter. So Jesus was never fast, never slow. But one thing you can see, he's never in a hurry. Even whenever, whatever that he is doing, he was never in a hurry in teaching the disciples. Though the disciples don't get it, he was never fast, never slow, but he was never in a hurry. So if you want God to be at the center of the relationship, if you want God to be the center of zealous, it is not about fast or slow. It is about all of us here not being in a hurry. That means what? We are all ready to really connect. That is the key even to your marriage. It's not about being fast or being slow. It is about not being in a hurry. When you're not being in a hurry, you are prioritizing the other person. You are prioritizing the other person. You understand the meaning of timing or seasons. So I just want to say this very quickly. There's very quick concept uh, that I want to, I, 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 I hope I can explain more, but I'm, I'm going to go a little bit fast. Remember in a relationship, God is not the only one who has something important to say. It might sound, it, it might take you a while to think about it, when you enter into a relationship with somebody, you must know if you are the only one who has something important to say, that is not a relationship. Are you with me? When you enter into a relationship with God, God tells you that he is not the only one that has something important to say. That means, that is to say, God listens to you. That is how Abraham negotiated with God. God, what if there's 50 righteous? God, what if, no, 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 no. Wow, God, what if, God says, all right, all right, all right. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. If there is, um, 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 how many righteous, I will not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Actually, it is not just God has something to do, but Abraham has something to do as well. So, so it's very powerful when you know this. God is not the only one who has something important to say. But often the problem is when we always pray for the presence of God in church, when we pray for the presence of God in our connect group, the question is often, what about our presence? Are we present or not? I just want to flip it the other way around. When God enters into a relationship, God is not the only one with something important to do and the power to do it. The power to do it. So it is not just about him having something to say. What you say matters to him. It is not about just what he has something to do. You have something to do as well. You have the power to do it as well. This is called free will. Okay, thirdly, when God enters into a relationship, God is not the only one whose will counts. 
I know I'm unpacking it a little bit fast, but I want to tell you this, the, 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 the meaning of these points is to tell you that we play a part in a relationship. It is not just all about God. God's will is resistible and all through history in, in, and even in the Bible, many people resisted God's will. You know, in a Christian context, we often talk about just good stuff. There are a lot of people that has fallen, a lot of people that has left, a lot of people that has given up. And why am I telling you this tonight? I want, to I want you to hear my heart and I want you to hear it clearly. Since young, when I accepted Christ 14 years old, I, I, I asked this question. I said, God, why not you reveal yourself through the clouds and just tell the whole world you are the true God and destroy the, 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 all the enemies so that nobody will have a choice to deny you and everyone will just accept you, place closed. Easy, right? I don't know whether you are the only one or me. Why, why do you make it so hard that we have to worship, we have to give, we have to do this, we have to do that? Why don't you just through the heavens loudspeaker and say, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I am sure the whole world will believe you. Am I right or not? I thought so. I thought, God, you should be smarter than that and, and you should just make it easy. And then I realized if he does that, and if I have no choice but to worship and acknowledge him, when I have no choice, there is no true love anymore. When, when your free will is taken away, it is no longer love. Love is only love when you can choose not to love. Love is only worth love when there is a choice to choose not to love. All of us, we can choose not to love God. And that makes love, love. If you enter into a marriage thinking, I've got no choice but to love you, you are so wrong. That is why your wife will say, that's why it is not love. You know, your wife will know you love her when, you, when she don't say something, but you know it and you do it. Why? It is because you make the choice to be thoughtful. You make the choice to prioritize her. Sometimes as men, I would just say to my wife, why don't you just say it to me? Then I'll just do it. Like, but if I have to say it, then might as well I do it. Am I right or not? You know, Ruth or Juhi. If I have to say it, might as well I do it. If, if I have to say it, then, then it's not love anymore. So, so it, it, it is like, it is like, did Juhi just gave me a clap? Thank you so much. That's the best clap tonight. You know, and, and if I have to say how everything, it's, it's not love anymore. It is not to make it difficult. It is just the dynamics of relationship. And that is God as well. What I'm trying to say tonight is this. This relationship, God at the center, Christ at the core, we know who is he. We know he's our father. We need to do our part to build this relationship. You need, you need to put in the effort. You need to pay the price to get to know him. Not just knowing him, but knowing him. You know, it is not head knowledge. It is experiential knowledge. It is not head knowledge, it is experiential knowledge. And it cannot be done through a fast way like a fast food. It cannot be done just by you being slow all the time. You must be not in a hurry. Then you know God is at the center. When worship is not in a hurry, guys, I tell you, you know who is at the throne. You know, some worship is so slow. It's like the worship leader wants to just be on the stage for a longer time. I'm not talking about that. You know, you know, some worship is so fast because it is the first time they get on the stage. They just want to get done with it. 
or they actually don't, they are not scheduled and last minute they are pulled in to replace someone and they just want to get done with it. But when God is not in a hurry, guys, when the whole church can sense that nobody is in a hurry, everyone is dwelling. When everyone is dwelling, it is where God is at the center. God-centeredness, it is about prioritizing God. God is our first priority. God is our first priority. So remember, you know, I added here and there because I, I miss y'all and I take this chance to not just preach my sermon, but I also relate to y'all what is important to zealous. I'm going to say this. We are not building a religious community. We are building a spiritual community. Okay. We are not building a religious community. We are building a spiritual community. Religious knowledge is not the goal. Okay. Spiritual maturity is the goal. Religious knowledge is not the goal. Spiritual maturity is the goal. So spiritual maturity focuses on our walk with God, guys. Our identity, our authenticity, our core values, our character, most importantly, our being. Spiritual maturity focuses not on activities. It focuses on our walk with God, our identity in Him. If you serve God after some time and you realize that you're losing yourself, you have taken the wrong path. If you serve God after some time, you find yourself, you are taking the right path. If ministry has a way for you to lose yourself, you don't like who you are anymore, definitely that's the wrong path. If ministry has a way for you to get more intimate, to know your identity in God, to know that you are more and more authentic, to clarify your values and your character, then you're on the right path. Just learn. So here, I want to say we are not building a religion. God-centeredness means we are building spirituality. Religion is ritual observation. Spirituality is being. God-centeredness is we being close to God. We being close. We, 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 we. It is, it is our way of life. It is our lifestyle. It is just who we are. It is who we are, not what we do. That's God-centeredness. Religion is outside in, but the gospel is inside out. Just learn spirituality is inside out. So God-centeredness, what am I trying to achieve here tonight? And I'm going to end with this. God-centeredness is a measurement or a reflection of how much God is in your life. It is not activities. It is not how busy you are for God. It is just about you enjoying who He is and dwell like the, the Bible says, that He and He is in me and I am in Him. Spiritual maturity then is not a destination. It is a journey. It is a process of continuous growth in your relationship with Christ. So I just want to end with this. I want to say the real measure of spiritual maturity is none other than Jesus. Amen. Christ-likeness is the chief mark of true spiritual maturity. If you want to know if you are close to God, then how close are you in the behavior or in your attitude or in your character? I know it is tough. I know this pandemic has brought out the best and the worst of us. I know people are anxious more than ever before. I have done marital counseling more than ever before. I have to help people that has gone through laid offs and job searching more than ever before. But all these things, it is it is only under pressure that we know what we are made of. Christianity should be best expressed in this pandemic more than ever before. Our faith should be more real than ever before. It is a chance for us to shine the brightest when days are the darkest. 
I, I am not praying for the dark days forever, but I know I have a voice in this period of darkness. I know I have a responsibility as a community. So when God is at the center, I know I will be all right. Amen. So I just want to encourage all of you, don't lose hope, don't give up. When God is at the center, everything will come together. When God is at the center, everything will come together. I was just sharing with Nina, I think this concept that I was uh, blessed when I was young. When, when, when situations are tough, you know, just believe that it is God used. When situations are good, just know that it is God sent. When situations are tough, God is using it to really just shape you and it is still for your good, toughen you up, it is for your good. When situations are great, things are going our way, God send them to us. It is all, whether it is tough or it is good, you can never ever doubt that God loves you. Amen. That's from my part on part one. I hope that this is a great start to the next four that you're gonna have. I know it's a little bit long, but, but because I don't get a chance to always interact interact with you all. So I have packed in a little bit more and I know some of it need digest, uh, 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 need, need for you to digest, especially on the part where God is not the only one who has something to say. God is not is the only one who has something to do. God is not the only one whose will is important. We have something important to say. We have something important to do. We have, uh, our will is important to God as well. And it is a very biblical concept. And it just, it, it, it's just, a painting, a description of how relationship works between you and God so that you don't uh, um, you don't go to a mode where you say, oh God, if you, if you will, you will. You know, of, of God, if you say, you say, and you, you resign or you surrender your part of building the relationship with God away. So we all have responsibilities to build this relationship. Amen. So yes, Pastor Nina, Thanks for having me up here. I hope you guys uh, can take my accent and I hope you are are not pretending to nod your head, but you understand my English. Yeah. Thank you so much. Namaste. We're so glad you've been listening in. If you'd like to know more about us, follow us on Insta at ZealousPune or visit us online at zealous.community.